Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. We're in the Kintech studio. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire Quality Service You Can Trust and 14 locations to serve you. Canucks and Winnipeg Jets coming up today. We'll have uh, lots on that in the official pregame show coming up in an hour's time. Also, Cheech, John Garrett, is going to join us just after 3.30 here as he uh, gives us the scene from Winnipeg. Probably a lovely one, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) What's lovelier than Winnipeg on December 29th? Mm. I could think of a few things. But I'll keep it uh, keep it to myself. I will say, uh, Winnipeg, fun town. Yeah, it is a fun town. Great music scene. They've got an Earl's, I heard. <laughs> yes, but it, it is actually like a really good music scene. Yeah, Winnipeg, yeah, re- really good music scene. And if you're into like live uh, music, like, yeah. they do a lot of cool stuff there, and um, some 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 cool like it's actually for a town that's not very scenic, mm. and for a town that gets you know made fun of quite a bit. Yeah, actually has a fun night nightlife. Um, my, my wife's mom did a lot of opera singing there back, oh, really? back in the day. It's a big, so, it's a big musical hub, big, big yeah. musical hub, uh, actually. So you're not, you're not wrong on that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> look at us, look at us keeping from <laughs> Winnipeg, Manitoba. I did not expect that to go that way, but it did. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of different Canucks topics. It'll come, uh, in the pregame show, but also we don't have a show tomorrow. No. So. No. You sent out the tweet earlier. Yes. We want to do a mailbag. Let's get a mailbag in on Canucks Central. Your questions for us here on the show. It is uh, weekly one of our most downloaded shows. Yeah. And we appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. We love answering the people's questions, whether they're about the Canucks or something else. Uh, so uh, producer Josh Elliott Wolf. We'll give us the rundown. What do we got today, Josh? A lot of big uh, questions. So many good ones. <laughs> uh, we will start with a couple World Juniors based ones. All okay. right. Uh, this one from Scott. Am I the only one that is noticing Elias Pettersson 2.0, aka Defensive Pettersson, more than Lekaramaki? No, I think that's a good take. Yeah, I've watched a bit of Sweden to keep an eye on those two Swedish prospects the Canucks have in their organization. And I would say the player who stood out more is Elias Pettersson. Now, I don't think that should be a massive surprise given that his game is more mature yeah. and he's more developed, whereas Lekiramaki, young player still. And usually guys in that draft, you have a hard time making the World Junior team anyways. And I think you do have to be a little patient when it comes to those players and maybe he was not one of the youngest players drafted last year he was so i, I don't get too caught up in the lakiramaki stuff like he was always going to be a longer range type of prospect and of course these things are important they give you an indication of where he is but he was always going to take a bit longer but i think scott's right elias patterson 2.0 on the defense has looked very solid for sweden so far uh looks like a really promising player you yep. know uh confident uh, I love the conviction he plays with. Good on his retrievals. Seemed to be a smart player as well in the way that he moves around the ice, off the puck and with the puck. Um, and just solid defensively from what mm-hmm. I've seen so far. So we'll see as it gets later into the tournament, maybe some tougher matchups. But uh, so far, so good for EP 2.0. Is that what we're going with now, by the way? EP I've 2.0? seen uh, D. DPD? Yeah. DPD. 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 Eh, it's not bad. DPD. It's all right. Eh. Uh, Zal. 
What would the Canucks lineup look like today if the OEL trade was never made? Just uh, take out OEL and Garland. <laughs> I mean, yes, you take out OEL and Garland. Uh, so, okay. The unknown is what they would have done with all of the cap space they would have had this summer, this past summer. Okay. Uh, because all of Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, and Jay Beagle were expiring contracts when the deal was made. They expired uh, at the end of last season. That would have been $12 million off of the books that the Canucks could have had to play with this year. And you would have had Dylan Gunther. Yes. And I think Dylan Gunther would probably still be in the minors. So he'd be mm-hmm. still playing. So I don't think he would be in the lineup. He'd be playing for Canada at the World Juniors, as you're seeing. It's funny how he's like an afterthought in yeah. these juniors, even though he's like in the NHL already. Yeah. But Connor Bedard's that good. He's that good. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, would management still be the same? So management made that deal because yes. they felt like they had to do something. And ownership said, hey, go and do something and show everybody that, hey, we're still ambitious. And Let's make a splash, won't. yeah. And obviously it didn't work out. So let's and just... There was almost no other deals really to be made because of the lack of cap space. I mean, there were, but to make a big splash, they had to do something with those three contracts that they gave up in that deal. That's the only way they could have. Now, should they have? Completely different discussion, of course. Now, to answer the question, so let's just assume that, hey, they, they, they don't make those deals. Those players are in expiring contracts, and it still goes sideways, and they make all the changes, and they hire Rutherford, and they hire Alvin. If that was the case, and they had all the cap space this offseason, I think what the Canucks would have done was sign John Klingberg yep. and Evan Rodriguez. Ooh, that would be my Evan guess. Rodriguez. That would be my guess. That, that they would have done those two things instead of doing the trade, of course, and they would have had cap space. I think the Canucks would have nabbed Klingberg, and they would have probably signed somebody like an Evan Rodriguez because that's the type of center they were looking for. And yeah. they would have been interested in signing Rodriguez, but... They prioritized Mikheyev and didn't have the cap space for it. Yeah. And, of course, uh, landed Kuzmenko as well. Um, Klingberg, we knew they were on in the summer. And um, interesting, though, with with Rodriguez, who ends up signing a cheaper deal with the Colorado Avalanche. But, uh, of course, the Canucks didn't have much cap space after what they did do in the summer. All right, next. Ten, can Lane Peterson make Niels Hoaglander irrelevant? I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, can he? Yes. But at the same time, I don't think organizationally they're tied together. Maybe for Brudro, mm-hmm. but I don't think from management's perspective. I uh, I like what I've seen from Lane Peterson so far. Played another strong game against San Jose. Um, still do think Nils Hoaglander has a better shot to be a big part of the roster long term than Lane Peterson does. So no, my answer is no. All right, next one. Into the Horvat section of the mailbag. Ooh. It's a, it's a big one. <laughs> it's a deep, this is a deep section, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, first one from T. Is Quinton Byfield a piece the Canucks could realistically target in a Bo Horvat trade? They can target it. I don't think it's realistic because I don't see Horvat being a player that the LA Kings are going out to trade for and then being able to extend. Yeah. They already have Kopitar. They have Philip Deneau. I'm not sure. Horvat doesn't seem like a fit for L.A. No, I don't know if he fits for L.A. Like, hey, I'm all for you looking for that type of player in return. I don't see the fit being right with the Kings. And if you're making a trade with L.A., I assume you would prioritize one of their young defensemen over... Helge Granz? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One player I'm, I'm furious. Yeah, you would try to get one of the defensemen. 
But, I mean, Quinton Byfield is a young centerman, of course. I just don't see the Kings and the Canucks matching on a Horvat trade. I mean, they've got Kopitar and Deneau as their top two centers. They've got Byfield coming. I mean, just, I, I can see them trading Byfield, but not for a rental. And I don't see Bo being an option for them to keep unless they're looking to move him or somebody else to the wing. Yeah. Next one, Todd Maslin. Do you see a possibility of a Lafreniere deal for Bo? Before the season, it might have been more one-for-one, one, but now does leverage swing to the Canucks side where they could get Lafreniere plus? Another situation that's tough because, uh, as we've talked about in the past, with regards to the Rangers' interest in JT Miller, once they signed Vinny Trocek to a long-term deal, their cap space, both in the short and long-term, got eaten up a little bit more. So to fit Bo, they could maybe do it as a rental. I can't imagine you trade a player a few years removed from being the first overall pick for a rental. Yeah, I don't quite see it. Um, if they could sign him, I could see it. From Vancouver's perspective, leverage-wise, I do believe because he's a winger, because he's kind of stalled a little bit, that Vancouver would look for something else as well. Yeah. Because you're, you're taking somebody that with – whose value has diminished somewhat, despite being a very talented wing prospect, also doesn't play a premium position. Are you just not allowed to scratch a first overall pick? Like, if the player's playing bad, if the player hasn't been living up to expectations, is he just off limits for healthy scratch? Because like, this is the reason all the Lafreniere questions have come in today, and he's been a big topic on hockey Twitter today. Got healthy scratched by the New York Rangers, and everybody's like, oh, are they trading? Are they trading this guy? Like I, Probably not. I don't know. Like maybe it's just a tool in the, de in the development process as Lafreniere, who was unreal in the playoff last year for the Rangers, uh, hasn't looked the same at any point this year. No, but at the Still same... Still a talented guy. Yeah, it, but it's one of those things where, like, do you feel like he's not going to figure it out in, with the Rangers and you get ahead of it? I can yeah. think that's a fair question. But I'm with you. I, I, I'm not quite sure that's going to be a match with Vancouver either. Ella, do you feel the Canucks make a decision on Horvat by the All-Star break? No, I don't think they have a hard date set. But I do believe they would like to get it figured out around that time. Yeah. You know, like, preferably, like if they have to drag it until the deadline, they will. But preferably, they would like to get it done in and around the All-Star break. Like, that's kind of the area. But I don't think it's a hard deadline. They don't have a hard deadline outside of... Outside of the trading deadline. Yeah. All-Star game is February 4th. Yeah, so a whole month out mm -hmm. from the... But that's kind of the range they would like to get ahead of it. Like yeah. around a month ahead out, out of the deadline, get it done with, and move on. And Canucks have a bye week in the lead-up to yeah. the All-Star break as well. So um, by, I think, January 28th, they won't have any games until after the All-Star game. So personally, opinion-wise, I would like to have some sort of clarity by that point. It's unrealistic, as Sat points out, to have that as a hard and fast deadline. Because there is one hard and fast deadline for this team, as long as Bo Horvat's a rental, mm -hmm. and that is the trade deadline. It's you either yeah. you sign me or we've got to trade you for whatever the best offer is available. Um, you, can set, you can set an internal deadline if you really wanted to and say, hey, February 26th. Yeah. That's our internal deadline, and come hell or high water, we're making a trade. Those things usually don't happen. Like, you can't manufacture a deadline, and they kind of have to be there. It's uh, it's like we always say, Sat. One phone call can change everything. <laughs> the proverbial single the phone call. The one phone call 
So uh, there doesn't need to be a, a deadline other than the trade deadline. That, but that's my favorite insider. Uh, yeah. Qualification. Go through like this whole like. Listen, I, I think Bo Horvat's going to get traded most likely, and this is what's going to happen. These are the four teams that are interested. However, it can all change with one phone call. <laughs> one phone call changes everything. I will say it would also be nice if they could do it during the bye week, so we had something to talk about. Yeah. So, Alvin, if you're listening, try to get it done Monday that that week. Depends if we're taking time off during the bye week or not. Yeah, if if we are, then <laughs> if I'm taking a few days off, I might, I might take a few days. No, Let, we'll figure it out ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll try to plan this better together this Thank time, you. Josh. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, I'm I'm having a lot of fun on the people show. <laughs> you look delighted. <laughs> Uh, Hassan, it was reported that Miller's camp asked for his no-movement clause to extend to this year, but the Canucks declined that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was intentional in case they want to move him this year? Well, I think that there's that partly. Yeah. Because, hey, you don't want to give it out. But I think the other thing is the retroactive no-trade clauses are very rare. They don't happen very often. The first time it ever happened was actually the Vancouver Canucks when they signed Brandon Sutter to that contract after trading for him for yeah. the, with the... Pittsburgh Penguins, and he had a year left on his contract, and they extended him, and they actually retroactively put his no-trade clause on his previous contract that year so he couldn't get traded. So it can happen. It doesn't normally happen. Yep. And usually, why would you set the precedent to do that when that's not something that's normative in the NHL, right? Like, So I think more than anything, and it's easy to look at it conspiracy-wise, and yeah, I mean, the reason you don't hand it out is because Things can change, and you want yeah. to keep your options open. Why give out a no-trade clause when you don't have to? Why give up your flexibility? If you don't have to. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously, it wasn't a deal-breaker because, you know, JT still signed the contract. But I think it's more about leverage. And if you do it this time, then you set the precedent organizationally with this new management team that this is an option. So why do something? We don't have to do anything. You know, there are other things, right? I mean, um, the bonus to be paid in for to JT at the start of the contract uh, does and can act as a, as a bit of a trade protector mm-hmm. as well uh, in the situation um, you know if a team really would want to go that far with JT then maybe it, it doesn't really matter all that much what is in on the contract and what's been agreed upon the signing bonus is eight and a half million mm-hmm. for this upcoming year Um it, it may not matter, but I don't. I just don't see why the Canucks would do that, sign the player to the big deal, and then move on from that player unless a massive offer came in of some kind. It just doesn't. Yeah, doesn't really add up. It would have to be a big offer for them, like we mentioned, getting what they want. And the reason they didn't do it isn't so much about they wanting to trade them. It's more about not setting a precedent. We don't have to. Yeah. Chris, do any of the or do any of Besser, Garland, or Pearson get moved by the deadline? Besser, Garland, Pearson? Yes. I'm going to say no. Yeah, it's it's unlikely. <laughs> not because they, they're not open to it, but like, I guess if Besser keeps playing well, like, is there a discussion around Besser's play? So like Besser's on pace over, for over 60 points. Yeah. And we talk about him like he's he's having this like all-time bad year. When he, I mean, he's not playing well, but he is productive. Yes. So defensively, he, especially earlier in the year, was having a real tough go. And that's changed a little bit. His production has come around. He's scoring a few more goals. Things Brock is looking more like the Brock we sort of expect, um, which is is nice to see. But it's still all of those contracts are hard to move in season. 
maybe outside of Pearson, who maybe you could take a contract back of a little bit lesser value to facilitate some kind of a trade. But this is the thing that gets me about everybody that's watching Connor Bedard and is like, Canucks should have tanked. What a missed opportunity to tank. And sad. Like, what do we what do we always say? Like, well, okay, but who are you trading off of this roster, right? Well, I mean, like, unless you were like taking giving up assets to move some of these players. It's going to be hard to tank off or get away from this roster that was already in place for this year. And as long as you have Patterson, Hughes and Demko, and Demko's hurt now, of course, and Hughes has struggled, but as long as you have those three players, there is no sure pathway to a bottom five record. It yeah. could happen if you don't have anything else around them. Hey, three guys can't carry you. But those guys go supernova or play really well, they have you around 500. If yeah. you're around 500, you're in that 9 to 10, 11 range. And you can't move up. You, if you are if you have the eighth or ninth worst record, you can't fin- you can't pick first. No. You can only move up five spots. That's, that's what's happened. So you have to have a bottom five record for you to have that chance. And as long as you have Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, those three players... It was always going to be a tough spot for them to find themselves in a bottom five record. So I just don't see a world where the Canucks ended up being like fielding a worst, a worse team than the Chicago Blackhawks or Arizona Coyotes. They would have to earnestly come by a bad record where it's like they would have traded a few guys perhaps and not yeah. brought Miller back, and then Demko gets hurt, plays poorly, then it, it unravels the way it's unraveling this year, or it has. Well, now they find themselves above five hundred, but still, let's say that would have continued. Then yeah, maybe earnestly, like in an honest way, you find yourself having a down season, but given the players the Canucks have on the roster, it was never going to be easy unless they're willing to trade Pedersen or Hughes or Demko to tank this season. Well, even San Jose. I mean, uh, again, (laughs) there's a lot of really bad teams. And I know I I was, and we sort of joked about this a couple of months ago on the show when the Canucks were really going through it, but maybe they are that bad. And clearly, you know, here they are above 500 before the new year. They're just... You know, at worst, they're they're about a 500 team, and that's nowhere near a bottom three record in this league. So, mm-hmm. this one from Tyler: If the Canucks' record is around 600 by February, should they still be sellers at the deadline? Yes, yes. I mean, are you a contender? So you for are you a cup contender that can justify not trading Bo and Luke Shen to make a run? No. You're not there. So if they don't extend Bo, Bo's getting traded. Something like, would ha- like something would have to significantly change in their process of play for that to even be possible. And even that, I don't I don't even see see it being Neither the case. Neither do I. It's not a realistic scenario. I don't it's see like, it. It's not a realistic thing that could happen now, in a month's time. No, and it's not I don't think the record's tied to it. But there is a world where the Canucks have a bad record and they still extend Bo Horvath. Yeah, like that could happen. So I don't think Bo Horvat's extension is contingent on the Canucks' record one way or another. Yeah, I don't I really necessarily don't. agree with that, but yeah, I just don't think so, man. Yeah, like I don't think all of a sudden you're in a playoff spot. It's like, oh, let's pay Bo now. <laughs> we weren't we're willing to pay him before. Let's pay him now. Like yeah. I don't think that I don't think that's going to be a determining factor. All right, we got a couple more. <laughs> This one from uh, Peter. Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Out of mediocrity, what has to happen? And I hate when people say sell the team because that's not going to happen. (laughs) Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, He wears number 40. Uh, There's your light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. Like We've said this a bunch, but... Do people realize how good Elias Pettersson has been this year? 
I don't think so. He's been that top 10 center in the league that we all thought he would be, and now he's realizing his potential. That top 10 center in the league, you've got a top 10 defenseman in the league, and you've got a top 10 goalie in the league. That is still, despite everything we've seen this year and how disappointing the team has played on the ice, they still have those building blocks that give you hope. Yeah. At least should give you hope. So, yeah, they may not end up with Connor Bedard, but they still have a pretty good number one center in Elias Pettersson. Uh, we got a couple more. This one from Basketball Phil. What was more impressive, EP40 in his five-point game or Luka Doncic and his 60-point triple-double? Uh, I'll, t- I'll take the one that had, like, never happened before in NBA history. <laughs> yeah, Five-point games happen all the time. I got to go with Luka. And it's not really close. No, Luca win. How do you have 60 time. points and 20 rebounds? You're like, Luka are you Doncic. missing your own shots on purpose to grab some extra boards? He's not Russell Westbrook. No, no, remember Ricky Davis did that? <laughs> yeah. Ricky Davis did it to try to get a triple-double, and he threw it off his own backboard. And they're like, no, we can't. We can't. You don't get a rebound for throwing it off your own backboard. Doesn't you count. Know? It doesn't get count. That was, my, that was my favorite Ricky Davis moment. How do you have 60 points over 20 boards and 10 assists. Tough. It's crazy. Uh, last one, Rodrigo. Will I ever be able to shop for charcuterie meats without saying prosciutto out loud? <laughs> Damn you, Dan Riccio. Uh, no, you should say prosciutto. Like, go get yourself some nice prosciutto. Did you add a no there? Is there a no? Yes, there is a no. Okay. It's, I didn't... In, <laughs> I'm so confused. Father Prosciut. I've done the same thing, and I'm like, it's. I know, <laughs> I know. We talked about this. Like, wh- why am I talking like Dan Riccio when I'm out in public? Uh, I was actually like uh, Christmas Eve. I went to to Bosa. Man, they got a they got a good spread of like different meats to put on your charcuterie mm, board. It sounds delicious. Get some calabrese salami. Get hungry again. Some nice gabagool. <laughs> Gabagoo is just like the the Brooklyn way of saying it, but which just, I don't love either. <laughs> the mozzarella and the gabagoo, eh? All right, that's enough of that. Can uh, I have a can I have a snack now? <laughs> Zach gets hungry, very hungry. Uh, Cheech putting ketchup on something in Winnipeg. We know that. We'll also get his take on the Canucks trending up. Are they? Mm. We'll see what the color analyst has to say next on Canuck Central.